At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 337 on Now You Know. Thank you to Birch Mattress for sponsoring this episode. I've had my Birch mattress for over a year, and I'm so glad that I do. Birch makes mattresses and sleep products that are stylish, comfortable, and environmentally conscious. Their non-toxic mattresses are made in America and crafted with organic and natural materials that have been sustainably sourced. It was important for me to choose a mattress that was made with organic and natural materials. So the Birch Lux mattress is made up of eight different layers of organic cashmere, organic wool, organic cotton, and 100% natural latex. The organic materials are comfortable and durable. They also help me cool and regulate my body temperature, which helps me sleep better. So in addition to being a better mattress for Jesse, Birch is also committed to being better for the planet. I love that my mattress is not releasing dangerous emissions into the air as it is guaranteed free of harmful chemicals. So the Birch Lux Natural Mattress has several third-party certifications. They're certified by the Global Organic Textile Standard, the leading textile processing standard for organic fiber across the globe. And what I like most is how well I'm sleeping. I can tell a difference in how I feel. A good night's sleep really does make a difference in my day. Plus, the process of getting my birch was really easy. It's simple to look online instead of going to a store. I was able to read through the descriptions and select which mattress best suited me. My mattress was shipped right to my door. It was really easy to unbox and set up. I felt really confident about trying a birch mattress because you get free shipping and a 100-night sleep trial. That means you get the chance to try your Birch product in your own home for 100 nights to decide whether it's the perfect fit for you. And Birch mattresses have a 25-year warranty. I love my Birch mattress, and I think you would too. If you're looking for a new bed, check out Birch today. You can click on the link below or go to birchliving.com, and you get 20% off your mattress plus two free pillows. If you're looking for a mattress for your little ones, also check out the new Birch Kids line. All right, so this is a big deal. President Biden tweeted out, in building our EV charging network, we have to ensure that as many chargers work for as many drivers as possible. To that end, Elon Musk will open a big part of Tesla's network up to all drivers. That's a big deal, and it'll make a big difference. And Elon replied, he said, thank you. Tesla is happy to support other EVs via our supercharging network. Okay, so I get it. There seem to be two sides forming on this story. On one side, you have people, mainly existing Tesla owners, who are like, Hey, this isn't fair. I helped pay for the supercharging network when I bought my Tesla, and now all these non-Tesla EVs are going to take advantage of it? On the other hand, opening the Tesla supercharger network up to non-Tesla EVs means that those EVs get one thing that they were missing, which is a good high-speed charging network. Now back to the other hand. 
But now the superchargers are going to be full with non-Tesla EVs, and I won't be able to charge as easily. But Elon has said that Tesla will be more than doubling the number of supercharger locations in the U.S. So here's the statement from the White House so we know what's actually going on here. Tesla, for the first time, will open a portion of its U.S. supercharger and destination charger network to non-Tesla EVs, making at least 7,500 chargers available for all EVs by the end of 2024. The open chargers will be distributed across the U.S. They will include at least 3,500 new and existing 250-kilowatt superchargers along highway corridors to expand freedom of travel for all EVs and level 2 destination chargers at locations like hotels and restaurants in urban and rural locations. All EV drivers will be able to access these stations using the Tesla app or website. Additionally, Tesla will more than double its full nationwide network of superchargers manufactured in Buffalo, New York. Of course, it's the White House they had to stick in there that it's U.S. made. So Tesla is planning on making 7,500 chargers available to all EVs by the end of 2024. And don't forget, Tesla can control the flow of non-Tesla EVs at their superchargers in two ways. Number one is that Tesla controls the pricing of the superchargers through its app. So if Tesla needed, they could raise the price per kilowatt hour to make it less attractive for non-Tesla EVs at a particular location to charge there during a certain period of time. And number two, Tesla can decide how many supercharger stalls at a given location are available for non-Tesla EVs. So again, if a certain location is getting full of non-Teslas, then Tesla can lower the number of stalls available for non-Teslas to charge at, which ipso facto means more stalls for Teslas. And lastly, but arguably most importantly, from a Tesla stock owner's point of view, the federal government has earmarked $7.5 billion for EV charging, and Tesla stands to get a huge chunk of that because... They have the most high-speed chargers, and they can build them faster than anyone. And make no mistake, this is a race to get that money as fast as possible. And unlike other automakers who don't have charging networks of their own, Tesla does. So this federal money is going to Tesla. So Ford and GM, they can all suck it. And I hear a lot of Tesla owners out there which is like, this isn't fair for me, blah, blah, blah. This is not a money-losing business. This is a money-making business for Tesla because they're actually going to charge enough for the electricity so that they make money on those chargers. Think about it for a second. If you drive up to a Tesla supercharger location, say eight stalls, and there's only two Teslas charging there, then actually Tesla's not making as much money as they could. If it's pretty much full of EVs, then Tesla's making the most it can from that location. So I think this is a good thing. It's a profit deal. <laughs> it takes the pressure off. The other thing I want to point out is that the federal government has come out with five guidelines for charging. And one of those guidelines is that all the chargers are going to have to have at least 97% uptime. Well, Supercharger network for Tesla has over 99% uptime, so that's not going to be a problem. But the question I have is, how is the federal government going to enforce this? Like, how are they going to punish chargers if they're not up for is it is it the whole network that no, gets no, punished or is it per charger well that's a good question right. i don't know now there's one uh, tricky thing in this uh thing and that's the 7500 charger number that's the number of chargers that's not necessarily the number of supercharger locations or supercharger stalls right that includes destination chargers and i would argue that tesla destination chargers have been opened this whole time, you just basically needed a weird adapter. I know that Tesla does make some standard J1772, regular old plugs, high-powered wall chargers, excuse me. So I'm not sure if this is what Tesla's talking about. I mean, that's a very easy thing for Tesla to do. Oh, yeah, you could use our destination chargers, which you could have used anyway. But will they make it so that the EV owner has to have their own adapter or will they have like little adapters chained there? 
Well, in this case, destination chargers are not owned by Tesla. They have been bought by a third a party. Company, right? So it's either a private company or a person. So I'm not sure how they necessarily open it since I think it has been open. So maybe right. that's just semantics and some, some nice free political capital that they can just throw in there. So we're really talking about 3,500 Tesla superchargers. That's a good point. And yeah, I think it's going to be using Magic Dock. Now, there's one other point in the guidelines, and that is that there has to be a single app that can charge at every charging network. Right. The federal government doesn't want it so that you have to have what you have now, which is like an app for every single network. And that's the big question here. Will there be like one app that rules them all? Right. And then you'll get an API from each of those companies that work with it. It said in the White House document that you can use the Tesla app. It did say that you can use the Tesla app. I think that it's probably going to take a ridiculous amount of time for there to be this centralized app that all the other charging networks are going to be able to use. I, for some reason, don't have that much faith that that app really? is going to work. I just, I don't know why. I know that it should be simple, but I know that it won't work. There'll <laughs> be a department of app integration. So I think it's... U.S. Federal App Integration Department. How can I help you? I think it'll be fine. You're going to be, you're just going to need four apps. The Tesla one, this is for non-Tesla drivers. The, okay. the Tesla one, Electrify America, okay. uh, Charge point maybe just three maybe blink i don't even, i don't even have blink okay comment below how they're gonna work this out i don't know gosh that's a big ugly adapter oh you're talking about the ccs to tesla adapter pictured here yeah i mean we're talking about it this week because tesla just lowered the price from 250 dollars to 175 dollars but before you rush to the tesla website to buy one just make sure that you log into your tesla account to see if it will work with your tesla Okay, so I'm logged into my account and it says that my 2016 Model X, for instance, appears to need a retrofit before it will work. In fact, I think all Teslas built before October 2020 will likely need the ECU retrofit. But if it does work, you can get up to 250 kilowatts of DC fast charging when used with a CCS DC fast charger. Now, will this be necessary for non-Teslas to charge at Tesla superchargers? No, because think about it. They need the opposite adapter, the Tesla plug to CCS, not CCS to Tesla. Right. Now, you can also find this adapter from Electron for $179, although this one says you can only pull up to 150 kilowatts. So seeing that the adapter from Tesla is now cheaper, I, I think you'd probably go for the Tesla one. Right. Hey, and it would really help us out if you hit the like button right now. It helps that YouTube algorithm to help share this with more people, and that helps the channel. So thanks. So this Friday, February 24th, someone will be the lucky winner of a Tesla or Rivian of their choice. This is when Climate Exchange has their live drawing for their seventh annual raffle. So we're so happy to be working with and grateful to have Climate Exchange sponsor this episode. This annual fundraiser helps Climate Exchange fight the fossil fuel industry through advancing state climate policy. And you can help fund Climate Exchange for the year through this raffle. This year's grand prize is the chance to win a Tesla Model X Plaid, Model S Plaid, Model 3 Performance, or standard range if you want, or a Model Y. Or select the Rivian R1S SUV or the Rivian R1T pickup truck. You get to pick your EV and Climate Exchange will even take care of the taxes. The full prize is worth up to $250,986. So they're only selling 5,000 tickets. They're almost sold out. So your odds of winning are really good. But forget about running out of tickets. You're running out of time. Right. And if you don't win the grand prize, you can still win $10,000 cash for second place, $5,000 for third, $3,000 for fourth, and $2,000 for fifth place. So there are a lot of chances to win. And tickets are just 250 bucks. Again, you do not have a lot of time. The live drawing is set for February 24th. So quick, get on it. Yeah, get there before the last ticket sold. Go to carbonraffle.org. So this next story, if you listen to the mainstream media, is a big story. 
But in my opinion, it shouldn't be. You see, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, has recalled... Recall! 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 362,758 Teslas! Well, that sounds like a big deal, but hang on. As Sam Chorus from ARK Invest points out, seems like there should be terminology introduced to differentiate between recalls and software updates because, you know, one requires something to be recalled and the other doesn't. And Elon agrees. Definitely, the word recall for an over-the-air software update is anachronistic and just flat wrong. So what are we talking about here? Well, let's address this. First, let's read NHTSA's recall language. Tesla's recalling certain vehicles equipped with full self-driving beta software or pending installation. The FSD beta system may allow the vehicle to act unsafe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn-only lane, entering a stop sign-controlled intersection without coming to a complete stop, or proceeding into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. In addition, the system may respond insufficiently to changes in posted speed limits or not adequately account for the driver's adjustment of the vehicle speed to exceed posted speed limits. So it's great for the media to use this recall to create FUD, but as Tesla responded, Tesla will deploy an over-the-air software update at no cost to the customer. The over-the-air update, which we expect to deploy in the coming weeks, will improve how FSD Beta negotiates certain driving maneuvers during the conditions described above. And let's not forget, full self-driving Beta is still just Beta software. The cars are not able to drive themselves Yet, um, now NHTSA raised the issue with Tesla on January 25th, and Tesla met with regulators on several occasions up until February 7th. Now, Tesla said on February 7th, while not concurring with the agency's analysis, Tesla decided to administer a voluntary recall out of an abundance of caution. And the sad thing here is that full self-driving beta is hardware and software that will lead to cars becoming safer. Yeah, technology always marches on and full self-driving will become a reality. And I believe Tesla will lead the way. I'm all in favor of regulators ensuring that cars are safe. But I believe that if Tesla's full self-driving is unsafe, then Ford's Blue Cruise needs work, too, because I can way more easily get into an accident using Blue Cruise than Tesla's full self-driving beta. So here's what I think has happened. Tesla had been coming out with updates pretty steadily on full self-driving beta. Um, this has been kind of a dry spell in terms of like updates. I think what it was is uh, NHTSA has just been chasing them mm -hmm. in terms of like, hey, this update has a problem. <laughs> and then Tesla will be like, oh, well, we just came out with an update that fixed it. So we don't need to issue a recall. Right. And then they'd be like, well, we, we, we think there's another problem. And then Tesla would go, oh, but there's already a new update that's out. So I think what's happened is because Tesla has gone this long mm -hmm. without there being a software update for full self-driving beta, um, NHTSA was finally able to, to catch up with the bureaucracy and the, okay, they're moving along, stamping, you know, everybody's stamping. And I think they finally caught up to the point where they could issue a recall to Tesla and make them have to do a software update. Yeah, and I think it's a really good point. I'm really looking forward to FSD Beta 11 because I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff in there. So thanks, Nitsa, for speeding it along. And just to give some perspective on this, I think Sawyer Merritt had a really good tweet. He was pointing out that since January of 2022, Tesla's had 21 recalls for 4 million cars, and 99% of those cars were fixed using software updates. But let's go to Fiat, Kia, Hyundai, VW, and BMW, which had no software fixes. Ford, Nissan, GM, and Mercedes fixed 1%, 2%, 32%, and 17%, respectively, of their recalled cars with software updates. So media, if you're going to talk about Tesla having a recall... Should also give some perspective. Yeah. So according to Electrek, Tesla has sold out of the Model Y in the U.S. until April. Yeah, the $7,500 federal tax credit and the price cuts have brought in a lot of demand. But I thought Tesla had a demand problem. 
In fact, Tesla is raising the price back up $1,500 after its initial $13,000 price drop because of all this demand. And what's this I'm hearing about the $7,500 tax credit is only good until March? I, I thought that the federal tax credits last until 2032. Well, manufacturers haven't gotten the battery sourcing guidelines from the Treasury Department yet. That should be coming in the next few weeks. So Tesla doesn't know if they will qualify for the full portion of the credit until they get those guidelines and see if their batteries qualify fully. Oh, right. Because if after March, Tesla doesn't have at least 40 percent of battery materials coming from North America and other countries on the cool kid list, then Tesla could miss out on $3,750 of the credit. Right. We just don't know for sure what percentage of the battery materials comes from the approved list of countries. We're going to be following this closely as we learn more. But we are going to talk about this more on the Investor Club this week because we have some conjectures about that. Mm. But I do want to mention that the Model 3 is not sold out. I think a lot of people are waiting for the refresh. So if you're looking for a Tesla and you don't mind having a sedan instead of the SUV, mm. uh, that's still available. And because of Tesla's price drops in California, you can now qualify for $2,000 of state incentive. So that's why I think California sales are going through the roof. California. And I think that it could start to get a little dicey for some customers of Model Y and Model 3 as we come into the end of March, because I love how the IRS can just like, wait, we're going to do some things with taxes and we're not going to tell you about it until it's probably too late for you to do anything about it. That's yeah. It's really, really scuzzy. It really is. I mean, I'm sorry. Like if any business did that, mm -hmm. we would be boycotting them. Yep. Um, but the IRS. Let's boycott like, the IRS. <laughs> But the IRS can be like, yeah, we're going to come out with some stuff and maybe you could save uh, $7,500 or maybe it's only $3,000. we are not going to really tell you the rules until you have already put down money on a car yeah. and maybe already bought the car. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, good luck. Good luck out there. Right, because the 40% of battery minerals has to do with the value of those minerals. And it's complicated. So, yeah, we'll get into that more on Investor Club. So we have new information about Tesla's hardware 4 from Tesla white hat hacker Green the Only. So he took apart a new Model X and he found that it has hardware 4. He suspects that Elon will announce on March 1st at Investor Day that all new Teslas off the line will have the new hardware, which Elon said at the Q4 earnings call recently would be two to three times better than hardware 3. Now, I was OK with hardware 4 being better. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Uh, but I was hopeful that even though Elon said it wouldn't be economical to retrofit hardware 3 with hardware 4, that, well, you still could. But it appears from what Green the Only has found out, you probably won't be able to do that. You see, Hardware 4's form factor is different. Take a look at this. The top is Hardware 4. Mm. The bottom is Hardware 3. Let's look at this picture. The left is Hardware 4. The right is Hardware 3. Um, and so basically you're seeing that they're completely different. And uh, look, there's... 25 tweets from Green the Only about what it means like this about, you know, and if you're into this kind of geeky stuff, like by all means, please go read all his posts. It is interesting. But some quick notes here. Hardware 4 has higher power consumption when idle than Hardware 3. It seems to have better security than Hardware 3. And there's, there's a big one here. There's 12 connections on Hardware 4 for cameras instead of eight on Hardware 3. One of those is marked spare, so likely there'll be 11 cameras on Hardware 4. Wow. Uh, and it appears that three of those will be in the bumpers. And now there's evidence for radar coming back because there's a new radar connector on there. Honestly, you guys are embarrassing. Um, and now we also get to see photos of Tesla's newest radar from FCC documents. It appears to be smaller and more power efficient than their old radars, but no indication of it being higher resolution. So was Elon wrong to have pulled radar in the f first place? I mean, I thought the idea was we don't need radar. And now it's like, 
okay, we need radar. But then I thought it was, oh, well, we'll have, you know, more high resolution radar. But if it's the same radar, just cheaper, why did he pull it? Did he find out he was wrong? He needs it? Like, or comment you below. need it for hardware four, but it's cheaper, so it's good. I don't know. I mean, it's cheaper and smaller, which is great. Yeah. I'm That's great. But like, I thought the whole point was that radar was like having someone in the back seat trying to drive while you're driving. And it was like, watch out. Oh, it's okay. Watch out. <laughs> and it's like, it's no fun to drive when someone's giving you other information. You just can't do it. But I mean, you know, would we really be able to fully understand how to program a full self-driving computer. I don't think that I'm qualified. I don't know about you, um, and I don't know no. about you, but you can obviously let us know in the comments below. So we know that Elon has talked about the alien dreadnought, the machine that makes the machine. And now we're getting a new look inside Giga Berlin of those robots from five new Tesla videos released on Twitter, of course, uh, including this giant robot named Godzilla. We also get to see inside the Giga Berlin paint shop and the biggest shop in the factory by headcount at a thousand plus people, the General Assembly, where seats, HVAC, power electronics, drive units, and more are installed using 20 plus automated stations. Yeah, this is really cool footage. I'd love to see what's going on inside of factories. And I wanted to just point out that um, if you're like, well, you know, all factories that make cars have robots. True, but um, just look at how few people are in many of these shots. Hmm. and. The fact is that Tesla can make a car in about 10 hours versus VW at their Zwickau plant takes about 30 hours. So that's a 3X. And I know a lot of you are like 10, 30, similar numbers. Um, no, they're not similar numbers. If you could do something, let's say, in 10 hours and your comp competition could do it in 12, you know, that's a 20% increase. That's pretty good. This is not a 20% increase. Mm -hmm. This is three times faster. This is two days different. Like... This yeah. is, I don't know, what what is that? Like three shifts different. Yep. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. And no one talks about this in the press. Yeah. So we were talking last week with our patrons on a live Zoom video call. By the way, you should join us over there on Patreon. It's lots of fun. We have perks like that over there. Um, and we get to hang out with you guys. But, but anyway, one of the things we were talking about was Netflix's new password gate. Yeah, we're going to call it password gate because that's fun. It's obviously, it comes from uh, Watergate gate. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, so anyway, we're talking about Netflix's new policy to crack down on password sharing. The whole thing was that you'd have to log in with each device uh, at least once every 31 days onto your home Wi-Fi network or else that device would be locked out from the account. So your stepbrother in you know Minnesota wouldn't be able to you know use your Wi-Fi account unless they did that. Doug, what, what's your Wi-Fi <laughs> password again? No, I know. I told you, but it's not going to work. You know. Oh, can I ship my phone to you uh, and then ship it back? <laughs> so we were talking about how this could be bad for a lot of Tesla owners because if you live in a city or something like that and you can't easily log your Tesla into your home network, then you could lose the ability to watch Netflix on your Tesla. But we have some good news. After Drive, Tesla Canada published their story last week. Netflix reached out to them to tell them that this policy won't apply to Teslas. Yeah, so this Netflix policy update might be because so many Tesla owners contacted Netflix and many of them left Netflix. And uh, I'm not going to get too deep into uh, password gate uh, because I think that... Uh, it's not really our area of expertise. I think that we all kind of understand that this wasn't the best move by Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what happens when you let bean counters run a company. I mean, focus on what you do best. Put out good content and people will sign up and watch your stuff. Look, this is just my commentary on a lot of these uh, streaming services. They put out something great like Game of Thrones. Everyone signs up for it and then they stop putting out good content. And everyone's like, OK, well, I've already watched Game of Thrones. Right. So like Netflix, focus more on the content, less on 
you know, every last customer you can squeeze out of it. We're making Stranger Things as fast as we can. So five days after that really bad Super Bowl commercial, the day they opened reservations, Ram has officially closed reservations of its first electric pickup truck, the Ram 1500 Rev. Now, we have no idea how many $100 refundable deposits Ram took before closing out the reservations. It's a time-tested strategy, right? You announce after a few days that you had tremendous interest and you close reservations for a while and then you can open them back up again later and make customers feel lucky to get on the reservation list. But again, did Ram get 20,000 pre-orders or 5,000? We don't know. So Ford got around 200,000 pre-orders by December of 2021 for their F-150 Lightning, which is around a three-year backlog. And look, this is good news. Ultimately, we want people to buy clean, efficient pickup trucks. Um, and Ram CEO Mike Caval says that Ram will be showing a mid-sized electric pickup truck concept to dealers in March to see if it's the right truck. Remember, Ram discontinued its mid-sized Dakota in 2011. A mid-sized EV, though, wouldn't come until 2025 at the earliest. So Ram's first EV will be its Ram ProMaster full-sized van coming later this year. Um, with Amazon as its commercial fleet customer. And remember that the Ram ProMaster is one of the most expensive to fix right now, and that's the ICE version. Mm. So hopefully by switching to EV, it'll become one of the least expensive. But I just want to ask this question, why would Ram go to its dealers to let them decide if they should make a mid-sized um, EV? Because they truck? don't care. They don't care. I don't think that we're really going to see the 1500 Rev for years now. Now, I mean, again, if you watch their... Um, the commercial, which I think was in pretty poor taste, um, you will kind of see that basically they're just here to make fun of EVs, get people to get excited for their EV that's way in the future. But, but Jesse, they have it built out of clay. Right. <laughs> and that's great. Um, but yeah, they're basically just trying to Osborne the entire EV pickup market. Mm. And I don't think that that's actually going to work out for them. I know that they have a very strong pickup brand. Um, well, and I, it's third. I mean, it comes after Ford right, and Right, but like by prestige, I feel like everyone just thinks that Ram is so hoitsy-toitsy. I couldn't care less. You're welcome to disagree with me because I don't care. Um, but that's kind of what everyone says. And now Ram is saying like, don't buy, don't do premature electrification. Don't get an EV now when you could get the 1500 Rev, which we haven't released any of the specs on. It's like, okay, but the Cybertruck's coming out. And I think a lot of people are gonna get the Cybertruck because over a million people have reserved the Cybertruck. Speaking of Cybertrucks, a Cybertruck with LiDAR was spotted last week being towed on a covered flatbed truck. Now, many people took to the Twitter sphere and said, oh my goodness, it's broken. No, look carefully. That's just dirt and dust. And then they said, oh my God, it's got LiDAR on the front. So it must mean that all Cybertrucks are going to have LiDAR. No, that is a Xenomatic solid state LiDAR, which Tesla uses frequently when ground truthing their sensors. Even Tesla has said that much. They said the claim that Tesla may be planning to use LiDAR as part of its self-driving hardware suite is fundamentally untrue. We regularly test our own technologies against other sensors to calibrate our camera, sonar and radar system. Yeah, for instance, we see them on Tesla Semi from time to time, um, but it is fun to see a dirty Tesla. Yeah, and so this is what your Cybertruck will look like when it gets dirty. And then people went like, oh my gosh, the Cybertruck can get dirty. <laughs> I thought it wasn't gonna do I that. I thought it couldn't do that. <laughs> no, what was the title of this story? 
Did Joey 2000 reveal Cybertruck frame? Yeah, well, Tesla released this funny Valentine's Day video about robot dating in which they feature various Tesla robots. And we're going to be showing it and talking about it on Patreon bonus stories today. So join our Patreon for as little as a buck a month and watch all of our Patreon bonus stories. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, well, uh, look for yourself at this part here where Joey 2000 talks about how strong it is lifting 40,000 pounds. What is that? Is that a one-piece Cybertruck frame? A lot of people over on our sponsor, Cybertruck Owners Club, are saying that the background appears to be Giga Texas, and that does look like it could be the right size and dimensions to support the Cybertruck body that we saw a few weeks ago. I guess there's people out there with their tape measures and their rulers and their protractors. Uh, so maybe. Comment down below what you think. If this is true, then it's really good news that Cybertruck is on schedule for limited production later this summer. And again, we're sponsored by Cybertruck Owners Club. That's where you should go talk about all this because that's where everyone's got all the diagrams and sketches to prove this or disprove it. Um, and I'm really excited that they're sponsoring our show. So thank you so much, Cybertruck Owners Club. So Zach and I are planning to attend Micromobility Europe 2023. Yeah, we've been having such a good time testing out e-bikes, e-scooters, and all kinds of micromobility devices over on our Now Let's Review channel. And we were like, man, I wish we could go to a conference to talk all about it. And if only it could be in the most bike-friendly place in the world world. So yeah, we're going to Amsterdam in June. Uh, you can buy tickets right now and you should definitely get them before the prices go up again. And if you use our link, you will get 20% off your tickets. Yeah, last week, a bunch of people already did that. So I'm so excited to meet you guys there. I want to meet all of you there. I want to go for bike rides together. I want to ride, ride along the canals. I mean, Amsterdam is such a beautiful city. I think in June, it's going to be awesome. If you were looking for an excuse to go to Amsterdam, this is your excuse. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, maybe we could do, do like a meetup. Maybe we could do the plastic uh, cleanup thing. That oh, you yeah, did that was so time. much fun riding through the canals and getting to clean it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Up, and I mean, you feel so good about yourself, and you get to see the city that yeah. way. It'd be fun to do that with patrons or something. That so. would be really fun. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out the link below. Um, we're really excited to be attending. This is our first time attending a micromobility conference. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, we'll see you there. Yeah. So we had a great interview with David Prochelle, one of the founders of Peak Evolution over on our Disruptive Investing channel. You might remember Peak Evolution. They are the Swiss startup company that are working on this, an electric truck that can handle mountain terrains. Get it? They're from Switzerland. They are going to attempt to drive this electric beast up one of the highest mountains in the world, a place no vehicle has ever reached. 6,893 meters to the summit of Ojos del Salado in Chile. And they are going to do it completely 
using solar power. So hear all about how the truck works and the adventure that they're planning. And how you can help be a part of it by watching that interview over on our very own Disruptive Investing channel. So we work really hard over on Disruptive Investing to bring you these videos with companies you've probably never heard of, with people and companies doing things that are new, amazing, difficult. In a word, disruptive. Go check it out. It's a really fun interview. Yeah. And I mean, you might be like, oh, they're doing solar to be green. No, they're doing solar because there's literally no infrastructure anywhere near the peak of this mountain. Um, such a cool company. So cool to talk to the uh, this team. Yeah, go check it out. I had a really great interview with them. So we haven't talked about this company for a while. Zooks. Uh, it's the nine-year-old autonomous robo-taxi startup. Um, is this startup that's nine years old still a startup but anyway uh zooks got acquired by amazon for 1.2 billion dollars in 2020 and later that year zooks revealed their all electric autonomous shuttle with 133 kilowatt hour battery pack zooks has been busy testing their vehicle for over 1 million autonomous miles wow a million one million <clears throat> <clears throat> And now Zooks has announced that they have been granted an operational testing permit from the California DMV to begin offering robo-taxi rides with passengers on public roads. The permit doesn't allow for the public to ride in a Zooks yet, but the Zooks can drive on public roads both empty or with Zooks employees as passengers for the time being. So beginning this spring, full-time Zooks employees will be able to take Zooks robo-taxi rides between its Foster City, California offices during business hours. Now, there's been no timeline announced yet for when Zooks will begin offering robo-taxi rides to the public. And again, a million autonomous miles sounds really good, um, but it just sounds really good because you have to keep in mind that Tesla has billions of miles, which is three orders of magnitude more getting on four orders of magnitude more uh, miles of autonomous driving. Do you remember back in early 2020 when Tesla started building Giga Berlin and people started doing this thing where they would fly their drones over the construction site and then post their videos on YouTube to show the world Tesla's progress? Yeah, I remember that some nitwit at Tesla tried to stop it. And so we told everyone to tweet at Elon to allow it. And it worked. Right. Elon said, fine by me. And since then, we've had wonderful people like Jeff Roberts and Joe Tegmeyer and the whole quad squad over at Giga Texas filming the construction with their drones. And Tobias Lind, along with Andreas and Robert, a.k.a. Wolfpack Berlin, flying over Giga Berlin. So why are we talking about this? Is this like a walking down memory lane segment or something? I wish. Uh, no. Last week, Robert and Andreas of Wolfpack Berlin were told that they could no longer fly their drone over Giga Berlin effective immediately. Does this have something to do with the story from last week about Tesla getting in trouble for building their solar canopy over that parking lot without the proper permits? We're not sure, but sources have told Drive Tesla Canada that the Giger Berlin team didn't want prying eyes seeing factory construction. You remember, Elon wasn't happy with the halt construction order last week. But I don't think that this was Elon's order. No, I doubt it. I think that the blame is trying to be placed on the drone pilots when, in fact, if Tesla didn't pull the proper permits, it's Tesla's own fault. And in fact, they should be thanking the drone pilots because if that solar canopy had been completely built without getting the proper permits... Tesla could have been fined or ordered to dismantle the entire structure. Catching it as early as they did is actually a good thing. But this means that somebody had to ruin it for all of us. And I'm not blaming the drone pilots here. I think that what they do is amazing. But some some bureaucrat was like, well, if we don't have the drone pilots flying overhead, nobody will know. And I can do my job a little bit easier. 
So is this going to affect drone flying at Giga Texas? Is that how people sound in Giga Balloon? Um, no, Joe Tegmeyer says he hasn't heard anything and he'll continue flying until he is told not to. Now, they can still fly at Giga Berlin, but they have to fly at a distance, like on the edges of the property, and they can only do one flyover per quarter. Well, I mean, this is bullshit. I mean, I'd understand if the drone pilots were crashing into people or being disrespectful or disrupting people, but they haven't. So people, I guess we're gonna have to do it again. Head over to our Now You Know Clips channel. We're going to have a special clip just for this. It's We're gonna record a whole separate little segment so that way we can tweet it at Elon and let the drones fly. This is one of those stories that we wish we didn't have to spend our time or yours reporting on. Yeah, you're talking about Tesla having to defend allegations that it fired employees at its Buffalo, New York gigafactory because they wanted to unionize. Yeah, Tesla posted a blog post explaining the facts that unlike what the press has been saying, Tesla had been on a hiring spree over the last six months in Buffalo, hiring a lot of new employees, over 200 in fact. Yeah, these are employees for the autopilot labeling team. Their job is a pretty tedious one, I'm sure, watching videos from Teslas and then labeling things manually. Exactly. And Tesla conducts performance review cycles every six months. So employees get a performance rating from one to five in each cycle. On February 3rd, about 4% of the team got low review scores and they were let go. This predated the union campaign announcement 10 days later. So the union can say that Tesla fired them because they wanted to unionize or... Maybe, just maybe, Tesla let them go because they weren't performing well at their jobs. Yeah, you decide for yourself and let us know in the comments what you think. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a golf cart. It's a plane. No, I'm pretty sure that's a golf cart. It's actually Tracker's new Ox EV electric UTV. No, I'm pretty sure that's a golf cart. <laughs> the, the Ox has a range of 60 miles and a top speed of 16.5 miles an hour. A lot like a golf cart. <laughs> it can carry two people and the bed can hold 500 pounds and it can tow 1,200 pounds. Look, all I see is a lifted two-wheel drive golf cart that you'd see in gated communities. But it's supposed to be an off-road thing. I mean, at least it has lithium-ion batteries instead of the old lead acids. Um, but it costs $13,000. I mean, I'd like to know what people think in the comment section down below. I mean, will that 60 miles of range work on a farm or a ranch? Because I'm sure that's 60 miles like on a concrete track with no wind wind, elevation, or load. And if you're driving off-road, as we all know, going up hills and stuff, especially in the cold, you get much less range. So if I was like in Montana, I don't know that 60 miles would excite me that much. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting looking machine. $13,000 feels a little bit steep for what kind of looks like a golf cart. I mean, there's a lot of $13,000 golf carts out there. It's true, um, but they aren't touted as off-road. No. This one is. So Mini is coming out with a limited series of electric Mini Cooper convertibles. This is basically just a convertible version of their pre-existing electric model, the one with 125 miles range. How limited is limited? 999 of them. What? That's it? Yeah, I'm not sure if it has to do with homologation regulations or if it's just to be exclusive, but Mini will only be making 999 of them. Is it worth it to only build 999 of something? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. They're already making the gas version of the convertible, and they also already make the battery electric non-convertible version. Um, but, so you have all the parts. But why do this at all? They can't possibly be making a profit off of these. Well, we don't know what the price will be yet, but this is almost all to do with brand. What? Yeah, I mean, first off, it's a nice green washy story. So you're focused on it being a convertible. You kind of forget that this car has 
10-year-old specs, 125 miles of range is a bit old. Um, but only 999 people are going to even get to drive in this car. Right. But everyone gets to go, oh, it's so cute, Mini Cooper. Um, and they're probably also hoping that the person who is going to get the electric convertible is going to go, I'm going to order it. And, oh, it's sold out. And then they're going to give up and get the gas version. Um, where many knows that they're definitely going to make a margin and see them back in the dealership for repairs. Hmm. Okay. That's, I, I mean, it's great for 999 people. Maybe you're right, though. Maybe there's something to do with the less than 1,000. Maybe you don't have to go through as many hoops. Comment down below if you know what that's all about. So Ford announced last week that it will be building a $3.5 billion LFP battery plant in Marshall, Michigan, in partnership with Chinese battery maker Cattle. The plant will produce 35 gigawatt hours of LFP batteries annually starting in 2026. Yes, that's many years away. That will be enough batteries for 400,000 of Ford's vehicles. Since Ford plans to build 2 million EVs globally in 2026, that would be 20% of Ford's annual output of EVs. And that would mean that the average pack from this plant would be 87 kilowatt hours. The plant will employ 2,500 Ford US employees and an unknown number of cattle employees. So let me get this straight. The plant will be wholly owned by Ford, but cattle will make their batteries there. Look, we can figure out why Ford is doing this. Number one, Ford doesn't know how to make batteries like Tesla does, so they need big battery makers like cattle. And number two, Ford needs to make those batteries in North America if they want the IRA tax incentives for their vehicles. So who is getting the better deal, in my opinion? Cattle. Ford, build a battery plant for us in America and then buy our batteries. Ford is here, okay? Can I just say that? Like, there is no way this is going to turn out well for Ford because down the road, cattle is the winner here. They got to get a plant. When Ford goes out of business, they'll still be making batteries there. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by Henson Shaving. And I absolutely adore my Henson shaver. It feels like um, feels like I've unlocked this in a video game where like I paid the DLC for like the special item because mm -hmm. um, it really... It's just, it's really nice to hold something that is machined out of aluminum and, or you can even get the titanium one. That one is really nice too. It's a little, it's denser. That's it. The geometry is the same, but it's just denser. And um, you can use really, really cheap blades. It's like five, 10 cents a blade. I want to um, stress the sustainable part of this whole thing. This yeah. is why I love the brand. Instead of using those disposable packs with all the plastic and stuff, uh, these are just simple, very thin steel blades that can be recycled. Yeah, and they give really good shaving performance. I've noticed a big difference using my Henson shaver. You can use our code and get 100 blades for free if you put the blades in your cart at checkout and use our code down below. So talking about the future, a lot of people talk about drones especially electric VTOLs, right? Vertical takeoff and landing drones. So blade air mobility and beta technologies are going to basically work together to have this. Um, this is a way that New Yorkers could soon be taking to the air in air taxis. So if you look up into the sky, New Yorkers, you might soon start seeing this flying around. They've been testing these out over New York. This is Beta's air taxi, the Alia 250 EVA. It has a 250 nautical mile range and it can charge in just 50 minutes. They also have a cargo version, so I'm pretty sure this is going to be exciting as last mile delivery for companies like Amazon because then they can load it up with stuff and cut through all that traffic in New York. So like if you're going to have to go out to your window 
your, no, your well, thirty well, floor window. Well, with think a long no, 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 stick. no. Think about this: if you have a big building in in New York, right, mm -hmm. you could put all the packages for that building onto one drone, fly it to that building roof, and then just deliver all the packages in the building. I mean, each building's like a small town. Hmm, that's cool. And then you could have a delivery chute system. So instead of you know having the suction thing, you could hear just like clang, 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 clang. Boom! Whoa! Whoa! Oh my goodness! It's my Hanson razor. Wait, it comes out the HVAC system. Like, no, it has a special chute. You know, I see. It lands on your desk. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, it's just exciting that the story is actually even happening because I think we all think that this is just years and years away and it's actually happening. I mean, there's so many companies working on this. Yeah, I mean, getting fine cars, people. I know, right? Come on, this is great. All right, it's time for Going Green. And we go from the air to the water. Chris Craft, anyone into boats has heard of this company and they've been making boats since 1874. Yeah, this Sarasota, Florida-based company is now a subsidiary of Winnebago Industries. They bought the company. And the reason that we're reporting on them here is this century and a half old company is finally moving into electric with the unveiling of the Chris Craft Launch 25 GTE concept in Miami last week. With the 133 kilowatt hour battery pack and an EVOA propulsion electric motor, it can produce 420 horsepower and a top speed of 50 miles an hour with two hours of runtime for this 25 foot boat. It has a dry weight of 7,755 pounds. No word yet on the price, but you know what they say. If you have to ask. Now, why do they give the dry weight if it's a boat? Doesn't it, it's going to be wet. <laughs> That's a good point. I guess you have to dry it off first before you weigh it. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't find the price. I typed in Chris Craft Launch 25 GT and I found the prices of the other boats, which oh. were, you know, fairly reasonable, I thought. But I have no idea if it's going to be like an order of magnitude more expensive or what. I feel like we never, ever get prices on boats. And my question for, you know, please comment down below is the two hours of runtime. I'm not a, like a huge boat person. I'm more of a sailboat person. So I get unlimited <laughs> wind power. Um, but is two hours enough for you guys? Or do you think that that's going to be a, like a no-go? All right, it's time for Sunspots. So I thought we'd give you an update on the Vineyard One offshore wind project that is currently being built off the coast of Massachusetts. Now, this is big news for the whole U.S. because if you remember, even though it's technically not the first offshore wind farm in the U.S., it will be the largest. Yeah, the title of first offshore wind farm goes to the 30 megawatt Block Island wind farm, which went online back in December of 2016. But Vineyard One will be over 25 times bigger at 800 megawatts or enough power for 400,000 homes, and it will reduce the carbon emissions by 1.6 million tons a year. So what's going on? When will it come online? So right now, Germany's EEW SPC has completed these. These are 1,895 tons of steel monopiles each. That's how much each one weighs. Uh, that's the tube that holds up the turbines. They are 31 feet or 9.6 meters in diameter and 279 feet long. And just to put that in perspective, take a fully loaded Boeing 7478 airplane, which weighs up to 447 tons when fully loaded with passengers. So each monopile weighs about four 747s. Wow. The $3.5 billion vineyard wind farm will have 62 Halliade X 13 megawatt turbines spaced one nautical mile apart. And in December, the transition pieces, which are the parts that go between the monopiles and the turbines, were shipped from Spain. Um, the Italian electrical cable company Prismian Group are now in the U.S. laying the cables. And so Vineyard One is expected to come online this year. And according to research done by the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth and Springline Research Group, the project now appears to have had twice the economic output in terms of jobs created than initial projections. So I am super excited about this. Now, why are all of these parts coming from Europe? 
Well, think about it. I mean, until now, the U.S. hasn't really had any offshore wind, whereas countries like the U.K., Netherlands and Denmark have been doing it for years. But I do believe as the U.S. begins opening offshore wind farms, that's going to change. All right. It's time for our video contributor stories. Remember, you can send in your stories and get them on the air. All you have to do is shoot two minutes or less. Shoot them in landscape with good audio and no music. Send them to a low at now, you know, channel dot com. Not now, you know, dot com. A lot of people are like, that doesn't work. Read it. Hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Sorry, we couldn't get Now You Know. That's That's been taken. Too much money. So what do we got this week, Jess? Our patron Tony sent us this story about his visit to an agrivoltaics research site at Biosphere 2, located just outside of Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Tony from California. I hope you guys are having a very happy new year. I decided to go on a road trip with my wife to Arizona, Sedona, and Tucson, and it's been very beautiful, Um, a little bit of a rainy new year. And right now, I'm just outside of Tucson at the Biosphere 2 complex, which was where they did a really interesting experiment back in the early 90s about seeing if uh, people could maintain small replicas of Earth's biospheres within a sealed system. And this is also a really interesting place because this is a site of a really interesting agrovoltaic research station. Um, This is where some of the pioneering research in agrovoltaics done by Dr. Greg uh, Baron Gafford has been done, including the, the research that showed that tomato plants grown on their agrivoltaics would use uh, water like three times more efficiently and have uh, uh, higher yields in these, um, you know, really warm desert climates. And they've got all kinds of really um, intense, like, uh, data collection systems. You can hear sensors and stuff buzzing here. And it's a really cool research site, and I'm glad that I got to come out here and see it. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited, as you guys are, and I know many people watching the show are, about the future of agrivoltaics. And it's really cool to see, like, um, a laboratory that's, that's really been working on it. Uh, anyways, now you know. That is so cool. I love to see things, like, in first person. Thank you so much, Tony. And isn't that uh, from the movie Biodome? <laughs> I think so. I think so, too. Was Polly Shore there? Is he still stuck inside? <laughs> Agrivoltaics? It's, it's, it's really sad that that's what we remember about this project. You well, know, yeah. a stupid movie with well, Polly Shore. It, it was pretty stupid, yeah. The movie or the The bo- movie. Oh, okay, yeah. No, yeah. but that's what I mean. It, this is, the science wasn't stupid. It's We should get Polly Shore to uh, advertise agrivoltaics. Mm-hmm. Come on! <laughs> we can get someone better. I think Tony could do it way better. It's true. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And over on Patreon this week, we've got uh, how much Elon gave to charity in 2022. A Model Y Sentry Cam helps catch a Kier. SpaceX sells something. Footage of a new Porsche EV. Along with Investor Club bonus stories and much more. So head on over to patreon.com slash now you know. Support us for as little as a buck a month and get all these Patreon bonus stories over there. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs. These are the people that support us at five bucks a month or more each month, and they get their names in the end credits at the end of the show. Who do we got, Jess? We've got Danny Diab, Carrie the Jedi Lee, Steven Swartz, Dejan Collins, and Patsy Jimenez. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. Now, we did a poll this week. What was it? Uh, what do you think about Tesla opening up their supercharger network in the U.S.? And remember, you have to be a patron to fill out this poll. So what were the answers? Um, most people were very excited about it. Oh, good. Um, so more, I mean, basically it, cause it's more money for Tesla to open a better charging network for all EVs. So isn't that nice? 
And some people didn't care because they don't think it's going to be that many chargers. Um, but some people are mad because it's not because it's going to clog up all the EV chargers. Well, it's a small number, though. I think I think they're wrong, too. I think it's going to be fine. I hope. All right. Now we're moving Elon's tweets of the week back off of this show for at least this week because there's like 60 or 70 tweets this week and it's just too much for the show. So if you're like, where's tweets of the week? It's a separate video. It's right over here on our Now You Know channel. So just go click over there. All right. It's time for Community Mail Time. Remember, you can share your stories, your photos, and your videos with us. We love them. Send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. So Rafi spotted this Mercedes EQS 450 Plus in Hong Kong. Mike saw this Amazon Rivian delivery van on the highway in Phoenix, Arizona. Kathy spotted this Lucid Air in Fremont, California. Drew saw this green-wrapped Model X on a tow truck while snowboarding in Eagle Vale, Colorado. Lenny spotted this Model Y in Queens, New York with a RoboTaxi license plate. Oh, that's cool. Tommy spotted this Walmart Ford e-transit delivery van. Joseph spotted this pink Model 3 in Sunrise, Florida. I feel like we've seen this one before. I feel like we have. Chris saw this Waymo Jaguar I-Pace on the highway in Los Angeles. Craig wrote to us. He says there's a new sheriff in town. This new Mach-E police car in Kirkwood, Missouri. Kirkwood was established in 1853 as the first planned residential commuter suburb west of the Mississippi. We're just west of St. Louis. Check out this Honda Insight that John Wayland converted into EV2. It has 400 plus miles of range using the heart of a GM EV1 under the hood, a 71.6 kilowatt hour battery pack, DC fast charging. So there's the Honda Insight on the left, the GM EV1 on the right. Thanks to Stephen from the Seattle EV Association for sharing it with us. And we'll put a link to more information below because it's really cool how it's built. That's so fun. Now, Ren got this email from Tesla offering him an extra $5,000 for his 2013 Model S that has free supercharging for life. Ren has over 200,000 miles on his Model S, and he says he's not selling anytime soon. It's interesting to see how much free supercharging is worth to Tesla. I mean, do you think that's why they're offering $5,000? I kind of think so. I think now that they have some data, they found out that it's costing them a lot of money and the price of electricity is just going up. So I think they're like, let's get these off the road. Weird. Yeah. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what's out there in the world. Hello, Zach and Jesse. We are at the eight stall Supercharger at Brody Lane and Sunset Valley in South Austin, Texas. Seems like a relatively new Supercharger. We're doing 250 kilowatts. It looks like this is in a shopping center across from a, a Home Depot is across the street behind me. And then there's kind of a general strip mall back here. So you could do some shopping, go to World Market. You could even go to the gym back behind me at Orange Theory if you wanted to work out. Overall, I would rate this one a, uh, a six out of 10. It's kind of the last supercharger on the south side of Austin before you head out west. This is uh, one of the newest superchargers here in Sofia, Bulgaria. We are in Paradise Center. That's a shopping mall. As you can see, it's in the parking lot. Six stall supercharger. I was gonna give it 10 out of 10, but due to the fact that it's pretty hard to actually get out of the parking lot of this shopping mall, I'm gonna have to give it nine out of 10. However, the area is very busy and you've got everything from um, supermarkets, all kinds of restaurants, so nine out of 10. It's uh, Morgan from uh, Abbotsford, BC now at the uh, eight stall V3 supercharger that just got installed here. And it's in the new Highgate Mall. It's in the underground and parking section L. Tons of uh, great restaurants and boutique shops, as well as a Walmart and a Cineplex. So if you're gonna be here for a while, there's lots of stuff to do. For sure. This is Haven. I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana. 
at a 250 kilowatt charger. It's awesome. It's about 10 stalls. We got a uh, Target, a Ross, uh, Petco, a few little eating joints. Because of the supercharging, it's so freaking fast at over 900 miles an hour. Plus, I'd have to give it a 10 out of 10. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews. We have all the supercharger reviews on our website on a map. So you can see where they are in the world. You can see if you want to visit that supercharger or maybe you want to skip that one and go to the next one. And it's okay to be... Be harsh. Harsh with be your... Be harsh. Yeah. Again, uh, 10 the, stars is like they served you coffee or right. something. Uh, five stars is great. I would say three stars is passing. Mm. What? Three stars is kind of bad. Three stars is kind of bad. But like, but... don't just give everything a nine. Right. I was at uh, the West Springfield Supercharger in Massachusetts this week. What did you give it? Mm, Did you review it? Big old zero. Did you review it? I'm reviewing it right now. It's, but it's not on our map. It's in a. It's so sketchy because it's in this big parking lot with nobody. Okay, but why there. didn't you make a video? Because I didn't want to get out of the car. Oh, I see. There was a car, a gas car, mind you, came screaming past, right in front of the whole wow. thing. And you could have like, done it from inside the car. I didn't know that was going to happen, <laughs> and then I left because so, that. So that does not make the beautiful superchargers. No, 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 no. All right, it's time for new superchargers. What do we got in the world, Jess? We got number one in Thailand. This is the nine stall in Bangkok at Central World Thailand. Nice. Woo-hoo! Yeah, new, new country. country. They're selling them there. Woo! We got number 80 in New York, the 12 stall in Tully, New York. We got number 45 in Illinois is the 20 stall in Wakugan, Illinois. Number 1586 in China is the three stall in Suzu West Hotel. Got number 41 in Maryland is the 11 stall in Ocean City at Ocean Gateway, Maryland. Number 39 in Georgia is the 8 stall in Peachtree City, Georgia. Number 69 in Taiwan, nice, is the 6 stall at Hualien Zulin Knib, Taiwan. Number 105 in the UK is the 10 stall in Newark, UK. Number 157 in Germany is the 12 stall at Wertheim at Olmosburg, Germany. Number 137 in France is the 12 stall in Honfleur, France. Number 32 in Oregon is the 51 stall. No, that must be a typo. In Sutherland, Oregon? That's got to be a typo. 51 stall? That's the middle of nowhere. No, check that out. What? Look at that. That's from Tesla's website. 51 51. stall? I don't know why you didn't just make 50. Wow. 51. Someone's got to go check that one out for us. Definitely, please. We got number 19 in Tennessee, the 11 stall in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. We got number 117 in South Korea. It is an eight stall at Gwangmyeon Station, South Korea. And number 60 in Japan, number 4767 in the world is the four stall in Fuji River, Japan. Wow. Nice. Nice number this week. Yeah. Just kind of perfect. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, I know that the show must be a little bit different this week because Tweets of the Week wasn't in it. But um, yeah. If you put it in it, it would be. It would still be here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think Tweets of the Week is so important. It really gives me a, a view into Elon's mind. I've said this before. And he's getting so much more talkative now that he owns Twitter. Now, I know a lot of those tweets are just about mundane things, and I don't put all those in. So, I mean, if I had put all those in, we'd be talking like 200 tweets. Mm. I go through, I pick out 
um, just the ones that you know I want to talk about. And so I think it's a really valuable way to get insight into him. It's also fun. So go join us this week over on Tweets of the Week and uh, see if you enjoy it. Yeah, it's free. And if you want to check out our Patreon bonus stories or our Investor Club bonus stories, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash Nayano. Support this show. It really, really, really helps us out. Th- there was a lot of stories this week that we just couldn't fit in this show. And there's just so much good stuff over on Patreon every week. So please join us there. You're going to get so much cool extra Tesla news for a buck a month. Right. And, you know, there's usually a lot of stories over on Patreon bonus story, but this week was extra. So if, you wanted, to, if you wanted to check it out, try it. You know, at some point, this would be a good week to do it. And thank you so much to these people that are scrolling by here. These are the people that make this show possible, and we want you to join them. So head on over to Patreon, join us for five bucks a month, and uh, you're going to join us here along with some great other perks that you're going to get. So thank you, people. We'll see you next time. Now Now you know. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.